in 2012, I woke up, I had body aches, I was hot, I was cold, I had chills, I was sweating, I was under the covers of my grandmother's house in my bedroom. This was shortly after I graduated college. I graduated college in 2011. I had two mass comm degrees in advertising and then public relations. My minors were creative writing and communication studies. Got my first big boy job right out of college and worked at a media company providing support to the advertising sales team. One day... Just waking up, feeling the way that I felt. I get up, having to go and pee. And as I pee, I just happen to rub against what felt to me like the surface of a comet. And if you don't know what a comet is, you you can Google it. Or maybe I'm using the wrong word. Maybe an asteroid. But it felt like a really rough, rocky uh, rocky surface on the upper right-hand shaft of my penis. And looking down, I remember saying extremely loud this morning, what the fuck? It wasn't like that. I'm a lot calmer about it now than I was back then. And my grandmother, who's a nurse, she was outside of the room. I remember just saying, we need to go to the doctor. And my mom just so happened to have been over So my mom took me to the urgent care facility um, in our area. And I remember sitting in the waiting room knowing that it was some sort of an STD because what else would it be? And just sitting there patiently, I remember uh, I got called in and I had a male doctor, white guy, gray goatee, glasses on. Or maybe I'm just imagining some other white guy in a doctor's coat or whatever with the uh, stethoscope around his neck. (laughs) And I remember I pulled my dick out and he says, that looks like herpes. I don't remember the exact feeling that I had at that point in time. I do remember... uh, being prescribed uh, treatment for of antibiotics just in case I had been exposed to any of the treatable STIs, uh, chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis, and um, I got a prescription. Got a sheet of paper that had a few facts on it, and the facts were that a lot of people have herpes, and this is now what you are. You're one of these people. You're one of these statistics. And walking out of there and having to tell my mom, I remember her response. We thought we knew who it was. (laughs) Well, she thought it, but I I didn't know. I didn't have any idea. And she was just so down for me (laughs) and ready to take some sort of action at this point in time. But um, I, I got home, later found out that you know, I don't know who I got it from. So I got home and began to just search through my last, most recent partners. I sent a few Facebook messages and made a phone call and sent a couple of text messages just asking, hey, um, do you have herpes? 
I just tested positive for herpes. You should get checked. And everyone told me they didn't have it. So I got an instant relief of, oh, good. I'm not that guy that gave people herpes. Yay me. So from there, I was faced with the challenge of now having to navigate how to deal with this. I was just recently out of a relationship. And so I'm single. And at this point in time, I remember thinking to myself, this is what I have to look forward to now. I thought that the outbreak that I had, I didn't have this language at the time, but it was an outbreak where there are the physical expressions of the virus um, of genital HSV2. And just for those who may not know, you can have HSV2 genitally and or orally. And the same goes for HSV-1, which is primarily seen and known as cold sores. So please don't say, I've got genital, I've got uh, the cold sores, because those can be passed on to the genitals, just FYI. Doing my Google research, coming from a marketing background, I know that the worst possible thing I could have done was Google herpes. And I think I, I think I recall catching myself after Googling just herpes um, and being like, no, 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 how to manage herpes. <laughs> and some of the first things that came up were avoid certain foods, avoid arginine, 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 I don't know how to pronounce it, but. I've heard it all kinds of ways, but it's A-R-G-E-N-I-N-E. And work out, manage your stress. And these were things that stood out to me the most. Um, Another thing to mention is that around this time, I was, what, 23? And I remember going in and being treated by my physician, my primary care physician, um, I had high blood pressure and I remember I got those pills too right around this time and I didn't want to have to do that. I didn't want to have to take pills. I mean, the doctor had already given me the valcyclovir um, on top of what I had already needed to take for my high blood pressure. So I guess we can count that as something being a stressful triggering response. Who knows? In hindsight, this story has changed tremendously since I was actually diagnosed because now I have language that I didn't necessarily have before so I can tell it in a little bit of a more concise way. Um, Bringing it back, after I received my diagnosis, I found out that none of my partners had herpes. So rather than me being able to point a finger at anyone, I had to sit with myself. I remember there was a day where I just looked in the mirror at myself at my grandmother's house after a few days of just treating myself like straight infectious thing, like a, some sort of just like a swamp thing. Like I didn't want to touch myself because I was afraid that if I touch myself anywhere else, that I would give myself herpes in another location, which is possible. And at the time, I didn't 
understand to what extent and I didn't I just didn't know what I was really doing I had the information that was available to me I had the information that I knew to search for and that was really it so standing in this mirror looking at myself as a disease rather than a person with the disease I remember fighting to say to myself I have herpes I looked myself in the eye and I said it again. I have herpes. When you do something like that, it's just for you. It's not for anyone else. And there is a sense of overwhelm that comes with being honest with yourself. That may have been one of the first times I was honest with myself. I wasn't, there's a lot of things that I wasn't, and I identified as a lot of things, and now this seems like a completely past life that I lived prior to that day because I operated in a space of what I like to call autopilot or zombie mode where I had been given direction my entire life. Do this, go to school, get your education, get a job, get married, have kids, retire. And so much of that had just been shifted because I just faced the reality that a few of those things are going to be much greater challenges now that it becomes a little bit harder for me to find someone to marry and have children with now that I have herpes and that I need to disclose this information to people. However, I want to say that that was while one of the most challenging times of my life, I will say that that was probably the most empowered I felt in my entire life. When I was able to say that to myself, it made it so much easier to say it to other people. It made it so much easier for me to do the searching. It made it easy for me to communicate what was happening with my body. And while in the beginning, it was a huge challenge for me to even say that sentence, those three words, like people think I love you is hard to say. Say I have herpes, look at yourself in the mirror and seeing how you feel. I think that when you are able to look at yourself Whatever it is that you're feeling, you cannot hide. You can hide your feelings from other people, but when it's just you, there's something extremely powerful about that. And it just completely opens you up and allows whatever is in there to just completely pour out. And I would even say, like, while this may have been one of the more powerful moments in my life, it wasn't the last. I think that. There was a snowball effect afterwards. Um, I talk more about my experiences as it aligns with the conversations that are had throughout this podcast episode. But I think that it's important that I at least establish that much of a foundation, giving you an idea of my starting point in my diagnosis. And so that you can piece everything together if you just listen to select episodes of this podcast. So something positive for positive people began 
as a podcast that provided emotional support for people who were struggling with their diagnosis. I met someone years later after my diagnosis who told me that they wanted to commit suicide. They flat out told me, you know, this diagnosis made me want to kill myself. And I've seen it. I've seen people posting it in places. But for someone that I knew to have communicated this to me, after being someone that you just wouldn't think would do that, we're talking about someone who's attractive, someone who works, someone who has a partner, who's okay with their status, this person still had thoughts of ending their own life. What do you do about that? Someone tells you, because of this thing, I want to end my life. Now, Granted, they didn't do it. I've checked in with this person a few times. The conversation hasn't really gone anywhere, but I know that to date, at least, that person um, is still thriving. They're fine. Um, whether or not they're fine, I shouldn't say that, but um, they're they're here, if that gives you an idea. And when I heard this, I began to just see it more. Now, I knew that this kind of thought process was there, and I knew that there were people who had this feeling, but it was something that just never crossed my mind. I cannot think that there's been a time in my life where I thought about ending my life. Nothing has been so bad to where I can see myself just not being here as being an option. After looking at what really made people want to commit suicide. At the time, I thought it was a sense of loneliness. And I quickly learned that it wasn't that. It was experiencing a loss of control. It isn't the diagnosis for most of us. It's that loss, that loss of control. Many of us are extremely identified with what other people may think of us, we place an extremely high value on our sexual identities. And when that becomes tainted, tarnished, damaged, that's how we begin to view ourselves. We become tainted, tarnished, damaged, and we can't control that. I saw two fine people who, after their diagnosis, were living a normal life, the kind of life that a tainted, tarnished, damaged person couldn't see for themselves past their diagnosis. And lucky for me, I found some amazing people out the gate, people I would have never come into contact with had it not been for this positive diagnosis. And I'm so grateful for the communities that are in place that support these people who maybe even just on the surface are living a normal life, but behind the scenes they're struggling to navigate this. And that's why 
community is so important because through those shared struggles, we begin to feel connected. We begin to feel as if there is control. We kind of regain our identity from being damaged. I think that we, we, we become damaged when our identity is damaged and we begin to just repair it. We begin to put it back together and piece it in a way that aligns with who we now are through our experiences. And it really just starts with the awareness that there's some sort of healing that needs to take place. For me, for many people that I've interviewed on this podcast, that's where herpes has been. I've talked to people who have committed, or I'm sorry, I've talked to people who have admitted to having suicide ideation. And this is what's been expressed to me. It's been expressed that there's this feeling of just a loss of control. And the thing that helped these people the most has been a sense of community. Knowing that they aren't the only person experiencing a loss of control itself has been something to increase the likelihood of people seeking out support, not just for their herpes diagnosis, but for that feeling of a loss of control. And as you begin to just dig deeper through that, through those feelings of loss of control and I think it gives you an opportunity to explore a lot more than what's on the surface. You begin to get deeper into what's happening with you emotionally and you get to see how it affects your body. And that's one thing that I've learned about people's experience with herpes is that it's expression often comes from stress. We learn what our stressors are. We learn what our triggers are we can begin to pay attention to them, heal them, be more mindful of them, and be able to work around it so that it best improves our ability to manage the virus. Now, I'm (laughs) kind of getting off the script that I had in mind here, but the whole point of me sharing up until this point is just to illustrate that there are people who want to end their lives as a result of their positive diagnosis. Why? Was it because we just don't know that you aren't being tested for herpes unless you specifically ask to be tested for herpes? We don't know how to navigate a diagnosis. We don't know how to disclose to people. We don't know how to respond to someone disclosing to us. We don't know how to date with the virus. We don't know enough to manage the virus. We don't know that you can pass the virus on from being a cold sore to being someone's genital herpes. We just don't know. I'll tell you what, once I got my diagnosis, I became a herpes expert. I probably could have done a dissertation on it. (laughs) And I think that that's the case for several people. 
who receive a diagnosis and now you got to you, you're either going to avoid it or you're going to accept it and begin to look into it because we can't change it. I forget what book I read this in, but there are three things that we can do when we're faced with a situation. We either change it, accept it or we leave it. And there's no leaving this. As far as I know, there isn't a cure. There's nothing we can do to change it. So we have to accept it. We have to first begin to accept our diagnosis. And I believe that something positive for positive people is a tool that encourages acceptance. Self-acceptance. For people who are navigating a positive diagnosis and may not have the tools or resources available like I had. I'll tell you what, it's been such a challenge to find resources. It took me five years before I even found out that there were dating sites available to people who were living with SCI. So imagine navigating the dating world for so long, going in and out of past relationships because it was easy, despite whether or not they were good or bad for you. Choosing partners based on who's willing to have sex with you, even though you're less than a human being, according to your standards. It's just been an unnecessarily rough road over that time period. And I know that there are people who may have had it a lot easier, but... This is something that this is something that is supposed to help people begin to accept themselves. This is something that is supposed to inform people that the way that we feel is often due to a lack of education and understanding about the stigma. This is something that's supposed to empower us, empower us to educate ourselves, empower us to understand what we're experiencing, empowering us to look at more than just how our diagnosis affects us. Most importantly, what I think something positive for positive people does better than anything else is establish a sense of community. This is a safe space for people to receive the support that they may not have even known was available or may not have known that they needed. I want people to feel their perspective open up when listening to this podcast, the listeners aren't just people who are living with herpes. The listeners aren't just people who are dating someone with herpes. The listeners also are people who <laughs> stumble across this just thinking that it's self-help, which it is. I feel like if you remove the STI, the word herpes from the guests that we've had, you are listening to a story of perseverance. You hear a story of someone who went through a situation that was unfavorable that they have to now navigate and deal with that may have damaged them and they are fucking thriving through it. They talk about their healing processes. They talk about how they navigate the challenges of disclosing to sexual partners. How they live with telling friends and dealing with rejection and learning to accept and love themselves. So yeah, I guess this is a self-help podcast. And if this is something that helps 
anyone with not wanting to end their lives because they see so many other people living these crazy, outrageous lives. I don't think anyone on here is living a, quote, normal life because it's different. Your life changes when you go through any sort of a life-changing situation. I consider my herpes diagnosis to have been just that because of all of the experiences that came afterwards. I can't tell you how many decisions I've made just because, just based off of me having herpes. How many women have I not talked to in fear of having to disclose to them? How many missed opportunities to connect with genuinely good people have I missed out on? Even if they're just friendships, even if they're intimate, even if they're business partnerships, just because of that fear of maybe they know. And there's always like a whisper in the back of your head about it. But you got to be strong enough to say fuck that in a way I've seen people build strength is reaching out to a community. If you can't do anything else, you can reach out to a community. You can find support. You can begin to get uplifted. You can begin to accept and empower yourself in order to begin to just learn, understand, seek understanding if nothing else. Your sex life is not over because you have herpes. Your sex life's going to look different. Your sex life may require a little more transparency. It may require a little more integrity, ethics. But by no means is it over. <laughs> I'm living proof of that. And it just it just looks different. And you'll hear several stories as you listen through this podcast of people who are living with herpes and they have partners who aren't living with herpes. They've had partners who don't have herpes. They've faced rejection. They've gone and gotten married. They've had children. So many people have come through here and talked about just this this perseverance. And there are a handful of episodes where we have guests who attempted suicide and something kept them here a little bit longer some voice that was telling them you are necessary and they didn't do it and now their stories are here for someone else to hear that may resonate with them so that that person or those people who may be struggling with these same exact thoughts don't have to have them anymore. They can counterbalance those thoughts and neutralize them with a sense of community where they can begin to accept themselves, express themselves. That's what this podcast is. This podcast is a space for people to learn through the experiences of other people. As far as I'm concerned, this is the only resource out there like it. We bring other resources on that people still may need 
in order to find additional support that may be a little bit different than what this is. We bring on the expertise of relationship therapists, mental health professionals, physicians, dating and relationship coaches, sexual wellness organizations, sex educators, kink and BDSM educators. This space is an intentionally inclusive hub of sex positive resources. Now, given that we have 501c3 nonprofit status, we're able to accept donations. We're able to receive grants and funding in order to continue to expand what we can do with this. If you're someone who's new to the podcast, or even if you've been listening for a while and you feel as if you've gotten any kind of value from this space, please consider making a donation. And if that's not something that you're able to do, if you know where funds are being given to any sort of a platform similar to this, please send it my way. (laughs) It's just Courtney at SPFPP.org. And if you still want to get involved some kind of way, then you can just uh, leave us a review, however you listen to the podcast. If you listen on iTunes or Stitcher or any of the other podcast players and you see a space where you can leave a rating and review, please don't hesitate to do so and tell me how you really feel. You know, if you think that this was shit and a waste of however much time you've been listening to the podcast and say that if you're someone who's gotten some great disclosure tips or tips on just navigating life with the virus or dealing with rejection or even just conversations about consent or if you learn something uh, new through the experiences of someone else, please share that. Please do. I'm really looking forward to what this podcast is becoming What it's become so far has just been completely out of my range of perspective. And I could not have done this without the support of the guests that we've had on. I couldn't have done it without the listener support for the people who share this podcast with the people around them. There is so much that has come out of this that I could not have imagined. And I'm really thankful for it. I now have a newfound passion for podcasting. I've now stepped out of the space of just ignorance around consent. And I've stepped into a space of just sex positivity and really learning and understanding what it means to be a sexually expressive human being and to acknowledge and accept the sexuality and expressions of other human beings. And it's been through this. It's been through this empathy building, connecting platform. The space has been a space of evolution. Not just for me, but for the people who come through and hear these episodes because it it transforms people. The amount of transparency that the guests have brought on here into their lives, into their life, 
I don't know, I guess if it's one person, it's life, but given I'm talking about guests, plural, I guess it'd be lives, I don't know. Like I said, uh, <laughs> creative writing, not <laughs> actual writing. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, like I said, I just can't imagine what else this podcast is going to become over time. But right now, it's a resource for people who are struggling with navigating a positive STI. While most of our guests talk about their experiences with herpes, we do have guests on who speak to having HIV. We talk about people who've dated people who have HIV. We've interviewed couples that one partner has an STI, the other doesn't. We bring on the professionals who can talk about this from a scientific standpoint because I completely stay away from statistics. Um, they just change often, and they're difficult for me to keep up with. If you are someone who wants to get further involved with something positive for positive people, even if you want to share your story on a podcast episode, the process is really easy. All you have to do is just hit me up, give me your Facebook name. We can, what I like to do if we're not able to do this in person, which I really hope to be able to do one day, is just travel to the guests and interview them face to face. Um, if we can't do that, Facebook Messenger has a video function. So I will pull up my laptop and we video call one another through the Facebook uh, Messenger app. And I use my phone, I plug in my microphone, I hit record, and we just go in, start talking about your experience. Typically, people begin with a little bit of small talk, and then we talk about where people, how people found out about their diagnosis, what was going on around that time in their lives, and then just some of their experiences and how they worked through it. I mean, it's as simple as that. So if you're willing to share your story, please send me an email. You can go to spfpp.org and just fill in the contact form. Let me know a little bit about your experience, your story. Let me know uh, when you're available, and then we'll be able to coordinate things from there. But my email is also Courtney at spfpp.org. Um, last couple of things. I think it's important for me to acknowledge why I do this. The reason that I do this is just as much for me as it is for anybody else. I enjoy connecting. This is the reason that I continue to do this. Originally, it just wasn't right to me. It didn't sit right that people want to end their lives as a result of this bullshit stigma that's out there that's been perpetuated by people who either don't have herpes or in denial about have her about having herpes or don't have any idea what their HSV status is. That's who perpetuates this stigma. And I mean, we do it ourselves as well as people who have herpes and we choose to allow people to perpetuate stigma around us in fear of them finding out that we have herpes. I mean, I'm guilty of it. I had a client one day who made a herpes joke, and I just let them know, hey, listen, that's not how that works. Where I could have just been like, hey, that's not cool because I have herpes, and I could have gone into the story and everything, but there's there's a way to go about things. <laughs> Eventually, this person found my Instagram page and was able to put that all together, but um, there are just a number of ways that we can all get involved. 
You can simply just... I believe that if our people around us, our family, friends, know that... Not not necessarily that we have herpes, but if they're aware of the fact that there are people who are living with herpes who you'd have no idea about struggling with what they're struggling with, such as the suicide ideation or uh, experiencing depression or um, people who are just like distracting themselves with bad behaviors from having to deal with their diagnosis I think that we'd come into a space where we can have many more supporters and allies whether they're HSV positive or not we've got people around us who are willing to stick up for us and we know that we can tap into our support systems again community itself is extremely important in navigating any kind of a challenge in life I was listening to a podcast and the guest of this particular show said something along the lines of community being the biggest contributor to success. The most successful people have expressed that they have a sense of community behind them. I can't tell you how many people I've spoken to who have expressed unhappiness, unsuccess in their dating lives and their personal lives even. And when you ask them, you know, what, where is a lot of your time going? What are you doing with your energy? They don't know. Um, if I had to say, it'd probably be on social media. <laughs> Nothing wrong with social media, but we have to understand that social media is a tool. And it can be used as a tool to connect. That's what I'm hoping brings people here. I'm hoping that that's what helps people get the support that they need and find community because it's an amazing tool unless it's using you as a tool. So keep in mind that on both ends of this are people and you're either connecting with people or people are connecting you with their things and their content and just kind of putting you into this zombie mode. So it's important to, you know, be mindful of that (laughs) and Let yourself use the tools that are available to you for what they are. So get in contact with the community. If you don't see one, make one. I mean, that's what I had to do. And of course, right after I make it and it's getting established, I come across all these other spaces that have already been out there and available. But it's cool, though, because now I've found my own unique way of doing things. And it works for me. And it's working for the people who find the content and express how relatable it is and helpful it is to them. (sighs) I cannot believe I've just been talking for 39 minutes. I may have said, um, twice, which is really freaking exciting, (laughs) but, um, and now I've already doubled the number of ums that I said, (laughs) I would like to leave people with this You will see and hear the phrase successful disclosure. And someone brought brought this to my attention recently that what a successful disclosure is. And on a surface level, a successful disclosure is 
someone else, the person that you as a positive person has disclosed your positive HSV, HIV status to, and then them still wanting to have sex with you. We have to redefine what success is. Is it a successful disclosure or is it a successful bang? Who's successful? When we talk about a successful disclosure, and I've, I, I want to make sure that I rethink this and that I'm able to elaborate on it a little bit better. You want to know what it is that you want. If you just want to have sex with somebody, by all means, if you disclose and you have sex, that's what's successful. The sex is successful. How do we identify a disclosure as successful? The other person being accepting of it or the person rejecting it? Because if that person rejects your disclosure, it's still successful because now you're one step closer to the person that is going to be accepting of the disclosure that you are giving. And not only that, but you're closer to getting what you want. If another person, if you put an offer on the table to someone, you're like, hey, I want this with you. And that person says no, it isn't an unsuccessful disclosure. What makes it unsuccessful is when you think you're getting what it is that you want. And then you don't get what it is that you want. A successful disclosure is identifying what it is that you want from the other person, letting them know that that's what it, it is and that you both are able to mutually agree on what the other person wants. So that's, and I'm, I said it again, successful disclosure, but it's a successful situation. So let's, with the disclosure in mind, let's look at it as, all right, I would like to move forward with this person on an intimate level and for us to hang out more. When you disclose to that person, if they decline, you weren't going to get those other things anyway. So now moving on to the next, that was a successful disclosure. Because at some point when you disclose and you say, hey, these are the things that I want with you, you find yourself in a position of being, of having a successful situation because that's what you want the disclosure itself should not be a metric of success because whether the person says yes no or I also have that that's not that 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 would be the end of it it would be oh it was successful because they gave an answer no what's supposed to follow that let that be our metrics of success our needs being met consensually is everyone involved happy with the arrangements and aware of what aware of the full extent of what's being asked of them let's take that into consideration okay so now that you've been introduced to something positive for positive people i encourage you to scroll through all the titles and episode descriptions that stand out to you the most episode 99 integrative disclosure is the it's one of the most useful episodes considering um it, it provides a holistic approach to disclosing to a partner your STI status. And we talk about consent, relationship, intention with Dr. Evelyn Dacker, who provided, uh, she did a TED Talk called STARS. You can Google search that or web search that. Uh, E-V-E-L-I-N-D-A-C-K-E-R. And you can watch a YouTube clip.
You can also go and check out the episode. I think that this was a really good episode and a good resource for people to not only disclose, but identify what their metrics of success are. So bringing that whole conversation full circle, you want to know a little bit more than just whether or not the other person is accepting of your status. So I welcome you to something positive for positive people. I'm your facilitator, connector, Courtney Brain, and I can be found on social media, uh, as of now at least, at H on my chest, and I hope to connect with people. Oh, nose started getting stuffy. Fall weather, right? <laughs> um, Yeah, so if you need me, please don't hesitate to email me. You can message me, DM me, however you need to get in contact. I would like to be able to help provide support. I mean, as of right now, nothing's really being sold. I have t-shirts that I'm giving away with donations. But outside of that, you know, I want to be able to create some kind of social change around this. The podcast has become way more than I ever could have seen it become. And it's now something that I can see being a resource given to people who are newly diagnosed with an STI so that doctors aren't just prescribing them with a statistic and medication and sending them on their way. So if this was one of the first resources that you came across, awesome. Thank you. Please share it. And I hope you get the most out of it. So if there's anything that you're looking for specifically, please don't hesitate to shoot me an email. I respond to everyone. And if you have suggestions for uh, people who may be a fit for this podcast or anyone that you'd like me to go on their podcast, let me know. I'm all about it. I'm all for it. I'm all about connecting and collaborating. All right. I hope you enjoy. I hope you get Whatever use it is that you need from this, I also want to thank our longtime supporter, Waxo, W-A-X-O-H. It is your go-to online sex-positive magazine for inclusive information on STIs. They let me talk about this topic. Not a lot of people allow for me to share the information about STIs and something positive for positive people and these stories on their platforms so with waxo being one of the few that has allowed it and also just supporting us for as long as they have i highly recommend you go and check them out till next time stay sex positive